This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Defense Department is learning that even vibrations, let alone the bang, from some guns can be unhealthy for the brain. The Pentagon has taken steps to learn more about traumatic brain injuries in recent decades. Medical leadership says it's entering a paradigm shift in how it approaches brain health. The strategy, which is still in draft form, takes into account the potential head injury exposures service members endure over the entire career. Federal News Network's Scott Massioni spoke about the new plan with DOD brain injury specialist Kathy Lee. Usually when we talk about brain health and traumatic brain injury, we really focused on the injury, the traumatic brain injury. And the warfighter brain health plan that the Department of Defense is finalizing and hopes to put into execution shortly um, really looks at the totality of the life cycle of the warfighter. And so what I mean by that is that we are really trying to highlight cognitive and physical performance of the service member in in both uh, training and combat environments. And we are also looking to protect the service member from exposures that could be bad for their brain and affect that cognitive or physical performance. And one of the one of the most common types of exposures that we're concerned about is blast, uh, blast exposures from training and blast exposures in combat. Um, so this plan addresses all those components in addition to looking at uh, traumatic brain injury, mild traumatic brain injuries, otherwise known as concussions. And we also cover in this plan the late and the long-term effects of having numerous exposures to brain threats and also having numerous um, brain injuries. And can you tell us a little bit about uh, just brain health in general, why it's important to look at these exposures over the career of a service member as opposed to, I believe, you know, looking in the past, you kind of looked at things as a one-off incident. You know, why is, is brain health, uh, the way you're looking at it, changing for a more holistic sort of treatment? We really are looking at the events that occur in a service member's life while, while they're serving our country. And we know that in training instances, as well as actual combat and deployed experiences, service members are exposed to threats to their brain health. And so we don't want it to be a snapshot picture in time, but rather be protecting and supporting the warfighter throughout their career in the Department of Defense. So the only way to really accomplish that is to have a programmatic view and be able to to um, evaluate through time how someone's doing from the warfighter brain health standpoint. And specifically, again, um, I can't highlight enough that we're really looking at cognitive and physical performance. We're really trying to hone in on thinking skills and making sure that we are looking at those throughout the life cycle of the warrior. You have 18 objectives over five lines of effort in this plan. Could you tell us a little bit about how you plan on on changing things and and making uh, TBIs more preventable, minimizing them, identifying them, all that that sort of stuff? That's another great question. So it is a an ambitious plan, and I should also point out that many of the activities, the fifty three activities, are already occurring. So the plan codifies the plan is codified in writing. And additionally, it maximizes the the synergy that can happen across the Department of Defense and various organizations. But specific things that we're looking to do is to monitor cognitive cognitive surveillance um, throughout the warfighter's uh, uh, life cycle. 
And the reason that that's important is because if cognition and thinking skills are a pillar to a warfighter brain health plan, you have to know what the cognition status is so that you can either enhance it and improve it or restore it if something's happened to it. So a lot of the activities center around best practices on restoring or enhancing cognitive performance and also being able to know what the cognition status is. Um, Additionally, as we move into line of effort two, we want to be able to identify the brain threats that are out in in the environment of the service member. And then not only do we want to know what they are, we want to be able to measure them. We want to be able to put a number to them so that we can monitor and document those. They can be in a service member's record, and we can help to see if whether or not those exposures to certain things end up affecting their health and performance. So a lot of activities are about monitoring, identifying, monitoring, and then mitigating those threats as much as we can. Through some of our work in the BLAST realm, we've been able to change formations and change protocols based on the number that we get, the pressure that people are exposed to when they are in combat or uh, training environments. Um, And so, you know, again, another protection or a safety measure. And then as we segue into line of effort three and four, this is really looking at how do we maximize the early detection of traumatic brain injury um, and about 84 to to 86% of all the traumatic brain injury that the department sees is mild in nature, mild traumatic brain injury, otherwise known as concussion. So we want to be able to identify those folks that we believe have sustained a concussion early on and then provide them with the state of the science assessment and treatment to get them to return to duty, which again is a graded approach. We don't want to just send back and open the gates and say you're ready to go back, but rather we want to have a progressive return to activity. And then finally, we want to understand better the chronicity of traumatic brain injury. Why do some people have lingering symptoms and really struggle with this as a lifelong process? We also want to understand the end effects, the post-mortem chronic traumatic encephalopathy, uh, PCTE, um, that, that people have heard about and read about and, and try to understand that as it relates to um, cumulative brain threats that service members are exposed to or injured by. Kathy Lee is a brain injury specialist with the Defense Health Agency, speaking with Federal News Network's Scott Mossioni. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA. Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, what we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, Since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, Great man theory, the leader-follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader, all of these are backward-looking development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can used today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I think, I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. 
So what we're trying to do is, is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your, a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government, it's over 2 million employees. Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace, and they inspired other and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people, we have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing like never before on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves, and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation, uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's, it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, my father was a civilian federal employee. Uh, he joined the federal government in the 1960s. Uh, John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him. It inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service which is unique in, in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. Well, that about says it all. But is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as an, as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group affinity insurance world for um, three decades. Uh, led This is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling, uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to 
leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime. And uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service. Love Target? Well, you're about to love it even more. With Target Red Card, you'll save 5% every day in-store and online. Find the red card that's right for you, whether it's debit, credit, or Target's new Red Card Reloadable, which doesn't require an existing bank account or credit check. With Target Red Card, you'll get exclusive deals and free shipping on most items. Visit Target.com slash Red Card to get all the details. It's always a great day to save. Restrictions apply. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash Podcast One to learn more and start your free trial.